Oh, so welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Physical Mindsets. I have a very special guest with me with Dr. Shwana Israel. Um, she's a physical therapist, I think, trainer, doctor of physical therapy. She has all these credentials, and she is just an amazing person. Um, her repren- or her, her uh, status precedes her, and she has so many jobs that she has done in the past, and just overall amazing person. So um, for those listening... Let's give a warm welcome to uh, Dr. Swana Israel. How are you doing today, Swana? I'm good. How are you, Ziggy? I'm doing good, doing good. So um, let's just dive straight into it. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am born and raised in LA. I pretty much got into physical therapy because I played water polo um, for five years and I actually got hurt one day during a game and went to rehab myself. And pretty much from that point on, um, when I was involved in the rehab process, I fell in love with rehab. And so the clinic I was at was a huge sports performance clinic. Um, There were not just athletic trainers and physical therapists there. There were also strength coaches, like working out some pro guys. And pretty much like my passion for sports medicine kind of evolved from this point. Um, So I was lucky enough to do high school sports medicine. I know a lot of schools don't have that. Um, I went to San Diego state for undergrad, majored in athletic training. Um, I was really lucky. Kawhi Leonard was there when I was there. Mm, I was just about to ask. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was literally. Um, And then I went to USC for physical therapy school, and there I also was an athletic trainer for club sports, Um, so got to work with some fun individuals in athletic training and get to still kind of keep my feet wet with athletic training, and then I kind of took a leap of faith and moved to Philadelphia, um, where I met my now husband. And I worked for Novacare, and then through them, I worked for Temple Club and Rec and did both physical therapy and athletic training there. My, I then kind of moved to Penn, where, or I should say Good Shepherd Penn Partners, where I worked with like all Penn athletes for most of my caseload. And then took another leap of faith and moved to Boston for seven weeks, got to work with the Boston Celtics for preseason, and then moved to Maine where I worked for the Maine um, Celtics. So the G league affiliate for Boston and now I'm back in Philly. So um, I've had a very kind of all over the country kind of career and it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. I can see you get quite the journey woman uh, to be honest. So from LA to Philly to Boston and then um, you said you moving back to Philly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just got today. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, that follows up to my next question. So how does, you know, um, doing all these different levels of sports, so like college, high school, NBA to G League to, you know, to where you're working at now, how does that play a role in like, you know, how you approach the athlete? Is it different at each level or do you just kind of keep the same type of like procedure for each level that you that you've worked at? So that's actually a really great question. Um, So in my experience, you're still going to keep kind of like your rehab the same. However, how you approach your rehab 
not philosophy, but kind of tactic is going to change depending on what resources are available for the athlete or patient or whoever you're seeing. So um, in the past, like for instance, like at Temple Club and Rec, uh, if someone got hurt, let's just say they like had a knee MCL sprain, I was lucky enough to be able to follow up with them through um, like doing physical therapy with myself. And then with the other athletic trainer I worked with, we were able to like get them back onto the field. Now with outpatient physical therapy, sometimes you have limitations of insurance and visits and things like that. But luckily with athletic trainers, you are able to kind of, they're a great asset and they have great knowledge in the field of sports medicine and are able to help also progress. And like, it's like a great transition and um, also with strength coaches too, to transition the care. Now, not, and then same thing at Penn, when you have D1 athletes, it really helps and you can bounce back ideas and kind of be like, okay, I'm going to do this one day. The athletic trainer is going to do this one day or the strength coach is going to do this. So you really have that team approach. And then when you work like at a professional realm, which is what I love, you can have like daily conversations, weekly conversations regarding the athlete's status of, you know, mind, health, body, um, and really everyone really works as a team, which is what I enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that goes to, we'll, we'll follow to my next question is, you know, when you're working with a group of people, physical therapists, like you said, athletic trainers, I'm pretty sure in college, they had like a um, sports nutritionist and stuff like that. How well, like, do you guys actually have a sit down meeting? And like you said, you bounce ideas off or, you know, you just kind of see them walk by and it's like, Hey, I'm gonna do this with this player and then you know keep walking or stuff like that um how well how should i phrase this like how how important is teamwork especially when you get to that like college you know team oriented level how important is that teamwork you know with the nutritionist maybe even with the with sports psychologist um you know athletic trainer physical therapist um strength and conditioning coach how important is that to you know not only for the whole you know school or a club as a whole, but also to the individual athlete? I mean, it's so important. I mean, at, for instance, like at the Boston Celtics, it was so, so critical if someone was injured or coming back to sport, you know, they really sat down and kind of went through their plan. Um, now, if someone's going through like a maintenance injury, again, they might not be as frequent, but it's something where, you know, be like, hey, how this person do? Um, are they, they were having some knee pain. I altered it this way, maybe in left, be like, Hey, they might come in to see you today. And you know, those conversations like might be helped. Same thing from like the coaching staffs too. And I think that in some roles, like I wish that it was possible to do it even more. Um, and really having those conversations be like, Hey, like I've been doing, you know, a lot of power and doing some like a lot of squats and it's like irritating their knee. You're like, okay, well, let's have a conversation about it. Let's see how they're doing it. And, you know, um, really having a collaborative approach um, is so, so important for the athletes, not just like game time decisions, but also day to day. And, you know, having them understand that some things might not always be, you know, very linear. There's definitely going to be some bumps in the road along that process whatever the situation may be.
So what does like a, a typical day look like for you then? Um, just a normal, you know, whatever time you wake up to end of the day, what does that usually look like for you? Um, so in Maine, um, so a lot of it involved um, setting up the court. So, you know, water, Gatorade, um, making sure also we had kind of a, um, how do I phrase this? A, you know, AED with some other kind of first aids slash emergency essentials, um, a, a medical kit. This way, obviously, like you know, as an athletic trainer, you're always prepared. And then, you know, players would come in for rehabs and then, or I should say prehab, uh -huh, and then uh, work a few, uh, work a practice or game. And then, so like this is first necessarily a practice day. We would just, you know, hang out for practice, watch, you know, again, part of the athletic training field. And then, post again any post game treatments um and then you know talk to the coaches see how things are going and again meet with the strength conditioning staff depending on the athlete and kind of touch touch base touch base with them and everything mm -hmm. <laughs> I always find it so interesting to to know about like the everyday life of you know physical therapist or like an athletic trainer in any type of sports um football basketball you know because I interviewed the um uh, Clipper psychologist and mm -hmm. Sarah Hickman and her day was just like crazy so it's interesting seeing like you know you know you see the person but then you don't even know what goes on behind the scenes and I feel like that's you know super interesting to know so um but like you said it earlier you said you played water polo so mm -hmm. does playing a sport also I know you said you like the rehab and you know that's what kind of made you get into it but was sports also a factor um since you kind of I don't know if water polo was your only sport but, you know, did that also play a factor in taking this career path? So definitely. Um, so growing up in L.A., huge Lakers fan, Kobe mm -hmm. fan. Um, I know. <laughs> and uh, so for literally my whole childhood, as much as I can remember, I was watching Kobe. And then when I started playing water polo, my coach was like, you guys should really watch the Lakers, like it's so like the sport itself is so similar. I don't know. Have you ever seen water polo? No, I, I mean I've seen it, and I know it's super rigorous. Like people, <laughs> you know, they don't refs don't see what happens underneath the water. You get scratched, kicked, all that type of stuff. So, yeah. So obviously not as necessarily truly violent as basketball. I mean, obviously there are times, but um, from a like game perspective you have a center aka set in water polo and again you have like all these different plays to try to get the ball into the basket slash hoop um someone was like it's like soccer but with soccer there's like much more players yes you have a net but it's one of those things where again the game itself is very similar to basketball so yeah okay okay yeah and then um i know it was we were talking um through text and then I was trying to understand where you were working at like these past uh couple years I know you work with the um Boston Celtics and the main Celtics in the G League but you're also working for hopefully I'm pronouncing this right Maccabi USA yeah American and Olympic Games so what's what was what's all of that so that was a great question because I think that 
it's unknown that the Maccabi USA is like the third largest Olympic Games in the the globe. So, um, so pretty much one of my good friends from PT school invited me to be an athletic trainer for this Maccabi USA organization, and they're pretty much a Jewish organization who helps athletes kind of compete and it's just you get to meet people from like all over the world um now I was not an athlete but I did get to cover some games and practices and meet some really cool people along the way um so in my time I went to the Pan American Games in Chile and I can't remember maybe 2015 um and really like it was it was great I got to work with basketball I think one of the players played for University of Maryland Mm. Um, and yeah it was like a great group of guys and then got to cover some other games as well or other teams and pretty much they just competed against you know Mexico Poland like there are all these players from all over the world and then I went to the um Olympic Games um and that is held in Israel and pretty much it's it's just like unbelievable it's like throughout the whole country Games are just be- being played from like a youth kind of like high school level up to like, um, I should say like maybe like college and then you have like a senior game as well. So again, like all over the world. Um, and again, I worked as like a sports med provider, but not necessarily a an athlete, but, um, you know, met some really great people through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was interesting when I saw that because I never heard that before at all. And then you saying that it's the third largest, uh, you said, Olympic Games in the world? Yeah, so you have like the Olympics, then the Special Olympics, and then this one there, yeah. the third. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that's so interesting. And then obviously, you know, I feel like it's really important too. It's about like who you know and networking for you to be able mm-hmm. to, to work in that type of environment and stuff like that and be able to travel and you know meet so many new people you know experience new cultures and stuff like that i think that's really important too and it all starts i think would you say you know networking is one of the big key things you know when you're trying to pursue your career and trying to get to where you need to be so you put yourself out there um in order to have like these so many opportunities to work with different people and different athletes um is networking that important Networking is super important. Um, so as someone who is relatively shy in like big environments, <laughs> um, I really, it's like very, it's, it's still kind of one of those things where I'm like, okay, I really have to like step outside my comfort zone. But realistically, I've had some like really great conversations with different providers um, at different levels. Like I love connecting with people at whatever level. I've had people reach out to me um and just like ask me even like their opinions and like my story and then they ask me hey what should I do for my career and I think that at any extent like having some really great connections and great conversations um yes it's obviously good to have people in your back pocket um but the more people who recognize your name is obviously extremely important but also being able to, you know, just meet people. Like I love having like a great conversation, especially when it relates to high performance and things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do you try, you know, when you talk to um, these people and stuff like that, do you try to incorporate some of their ideas too? 
um, to like in incorporate into like either your practice plan or, you know, whatever you usually do. Because I know for me, like I love, you know, um, looking at research and trying to apply that because I train kids in basketball. So sometimes I'll try to like look at different things, you know, research and then try to implement it in like uh, in my trainings. So like for one, I think um, they talked about ankle mobility and how ankle mobility is like really helpful. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, LeBron James did it like a couple years ago. It's like this little bubble that they have and mm -hmm. he'll, you know, stand on it with one foot and balance. And then somebody will pass him the ball from like the side. So he'll try to balance on one leg on the bubble, they'll pass him the ball. He'll try to, you know, um, be balanced and then pass the ball right back. And they mm -hmm. were talking about how important it is for, like, proprioception and also ankle mobility is so important, especially in basketball, because obviously you're running, cutting, do all these different things. So do you sometimes look at research? Um, and we'll get into it because there was a, a video that you did five years ago for Novacare <laughs> um, that I saw. So uh, we'll get into that, too. So, um but yeah, just like looking at new research and, you know, getting all these ideas from like other therapists or athletic trainers or whoever, does that also play a part in like how you, you know, proceed to take care of an athlete? Do you kind of implement some of those ideas? One thousand percent. Um. So, um, for instance, how I treated someone with knee pain when I was an athletic training student is very different than I will treat them now. Um, and I think that if you are not, and that's why honestly, like I really try to post on LinkedIn is not because of any other reason, really. It's really because I think some of these things should be like common practice and like, Hey, like if I can help give you an article, like, Hey, I'm saving someone else time and, you know, trying to just like spread knowledge and so we can all do better. But, um, yeah, I think that if you as a practitioner are not looking things up or not ref asking other people their opinion and, you know, again, that's all part of like evidence-based practice, like we're not getting better as a society. Mm. And I really, you know, I don't want to like get too much, too much into this, but mm. like, you know, there's a lot of, I think, misconceptions and like I shouldn't say misconceptions. I should say things have evolved, right? Like you don't always just do core strengthening when someone has back pain. I think really kind of deep diving, be like, maybe it's a mobility issue. Maybe it's coming from their hip. And I think that a lot of times people, you know, if like the current research shows X, Y, and Z about herniated discs again I don't want to I want to like digress a little bit because I can get very passionate about that topic but yeah. you know that realistically if you know and that's why I think that those who post like I try to follow um on Twitter Instagram like people will post different stuff about different body conditions and um give research and I think it's just like so helpful um, and again, it doesn't have to be necessarily a specific article, but it could be just something that um, someone has posted and referenced. And again, like I'm learning, I'm trying to learn like as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, same here. I'm trying to, this is why I'm doing this podcast because it's it's fun, you know, being a student at La Melinda and, 
you know, talking to all these people who are already in the career or far into their career, and you're just getting little bits of like knowledge from each one of them is is also really helpful. But back to um what you were saying about you know um other modalities for like you know rehab and stuff like that because I work at a um Kesentra. it's like a workers comp facility. And I kind of already work as like a physical therapist assistant. It's a different title, but like I take care of patients too. Like the therapist is there. They'll tell me like what to do. And then, you know, I'll do it with the patients. Um, but most of the time it's just like repetitive. It's like, it's the same thing. So if you have an injured worker that has like back pain, okay, let's do ab bracing. Let's do all these ab exercises and stuff like that. And then like, that's the only thing. And like you said, it could be something else. We might have to try something else instead of, you know, just doing ab workouts to try to alleviate their back pain. Or, you know, if they do have a herniated disc, I heard um, they can go, depending on which way the disc sticks out, you can mm -hmm. do like, uh, I think it's extension. I think like if the disc is bulging back, you can do extension that kind of help it slip in. I don't know if I, I don't want to be misquoted on that, but um, the therapist told me, you know, if it's a herniated disc, then probably some flexion in certain degrees is, um, can be beneficial and help sliding that disc back into, you know, the, the spine. Um, so uh, I totally agree. I think a lot of times that we have to kind of switch up the practice plan or rehab plan to get them right to where they need to be at. So, um, yeah, totally agree. Um, my next question was, uh, I did some more digging, and uh, you also work for uh, AASPT uh, College Pro Sig, um, and so I kind of saw what they were uh, all about, and I saw that you know you guys talk about uh, uh, microaggressions in sports and like um, women advocacy in sport and stuff like that. So could you talk a little bit about more? Uh, more about that organization and like what it does typically? Yeah, so the American Physical Therapy Association has pretty much it's the AAFPT is the sports section for the APTA. Um, and then through the sports section, they have different special interest groups. Um, so I am the co-lead for the DEI, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion for the college and pro special interest group. It is a mouthful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And um, so myself and my co-lead, April, she and I um, probably every quarterly, we do different happy hours on different topics. Um, and they have honestly been really insightful. And we've had some really great conversations about a variety of topics. Um, our last one, we had a panel of former soccer player, professional soccer players who talked about kind of their experiences in sports um, and maybe some different challenges that they faced um, and got to hear their experience. And it was like really enlightening, um, especially again, they're professional soccer players. Some of them, you know, were, I think one of them was like on the Olympic national team or close to it. And you know, you just hear about, you know, what resources they had and things like that. And, you know, be like, okay, so as providers, what can we do better? You know, if we talked about different microaggressions in just like language um, that we might hear in the clinic or things like that, like how can we do better to 
teach others to phrase things not not in that way um mm -hmm. and so i yeah so you know and also just if we can learn how can we do better and yeah i think just like recognizing our own biases and um being better practitioners through that will help us as profession succeed so that is our goal so do you guys have you said meetings uh quarterly is it open to anybody that wants to you know listen or do you have to join or become a member or so you do have to be a member of the APTA um and then um through the, through there you can join so unfortunately open to everyone so uh, does it cost or how much would you say it would cost to be to become a member of the APTA <laughs> um, $500 a year yeah mm -hmm. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it is close to that. 500. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, you know, you, you get what you pay for. Like you said, you get all this knowledge from a lot of different people. You have guest speakers that come on and stuff like that. So um, I assume it's really beneficial for anybody that, that comes and listens. So um, that, that brings me to my next point. Uh, like I said earlier, I saw a video that you did um, a couple years ago with NovaCare. About, mm -hmm. um scar tissue and like uh, fully extending your knee like the importance of you know um getting your knee as straight as you can um early on and different like mobilization procedures like patella mobilization and you know um um i forgot the word is coming out uh escaping uh oh like instrument assisted soft tissue yeah yeah, yeah there, there we go yeah so can you touch more about that do you still practice that now since it's five years later or you know, has have you found like through evidence that you know overtakes what you uh, what you talked about? So I think so. Pretty much the series was through Novacare in Philadelphia, and we talked about how pretty much the rehab process that is entailed throughout um, for someone who goes through an ACL surgery, and in that like reconstructive surgery you know, people are like, you know, it's kind of become a very commonplace, like, oh, they're getting their ACL repaired or, you know, having menis a meniscus surgery. Like some of these things have become very like, you know, people hear it, but they don't necessarily know what goes into the surgery. So they did this series and pretty much my role in the series was to talk about the importance of early the extension, active range of motion, um, and also passive range of motion. So the better, the sooner you are able to achieve active like range of motion, knee extension, um, back to full, um, to your contralateral limb, the better outcome you will have. And that has been what research shows. So you ideally want to try to get it as soon as possible. Um, I have had people come in, they like have it immediately. Um, and I've had all different ranges. I've treated, unfortunately, way too many ACLs to count. Um, and, um, but yeah, so you want to implement like different things to help them achieve full extension. Um, patellar mobilizations is one of them. Um, so a superior glide will help with knee extension. Um, you can do some light soft tissue. Um, 
and then you know get that quad firing you want to try to do that as like soon as possible and then also the calf um because the calf also helps straighten the knee um so you know so there's some different techniques and different things that can go into play for someone's knee extension range motion but that is what i did for that video yeah i find it really interesting because when i was doing you know research on you and stuff like that um i always want to know a little bit more about the people that like i kind of bring on and then they have videos and stuff like that um love to look at that and then bring it up you know um when we have the when we have the podcast so uh, we do have like nine minutes left so i'll try to run through these questions as quick as i can but um back to what you were talking about um full knee extension and like obviously working the calves and um massage and stuff like that there's also um uh working out the hamstrings does that help also because i also heard that you know hamstring acts as like a second acl basically and do you kind of implement that as well like working out hamstrings or is first get the knee straight calves and the hamstring or um is there like a certain step-by-step -step process so there's definitely different processes um so um for those who are not familiar with the process so pretty much after an acl surgery with well really with any surgery your your knee gets swollen and then from that swelling you get muscle atrophy and it's very predominant in the quads so you want to fire the quads as quick as possible. Um, now the hamstrings, as you move, um, like well, I should say like with deceleration, your hamstrings can act to prevent anterior tibial translation. So that's where kind of like the second, I heard, yeah, that, that um, prevents that. Now, however, quad strength, glute strength, a lot of those things are actually considered more important, but I also think that you do have to retrain the hamstrings. Um, you like, well, you don't, I don't think I know. Um, so, <laughs> um, uh, but it really depends on the timing of what graft you get. Um, so if you get a hamstring graft, you would probably do things in a little bit of a different manner than you would if they did not have, well, you would do things in a different manner than you would if you did not have a hamstring graft. So um, it's kind of a loaded question, but yes, there's definitely, you want to do full body rehab from the time that they pretty much see you the first time, you know, you can start doing some like different core stuff again, um, like bracing, just teaching them to do diaphragmatic breathing again, all that stuff that might seem very simple, um, is again, starting to get them in that full body rehab. And again, there's like through physical therapy protocols and different rehabs, you know, you can start um, upper body um, conditioning. And again, just, I would go through that with like a licensed provider. Get that, the ball rolling. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, last two questions, because we got like six minutes now. Um All right. So I know you have a bunch of certificates. Um, I think I saw PT, DPT, um, CSCS. I think I saw um, AT, and then there was another one. But um, this having all these certificates, like, is it beneficial? Do you get more opportunities with like all these, you know, additional titles attached to your names, or are you is someone fine with just having a PT or just AT or CSCS? Um, so do do these 
having all these certificates, did they play like a bigger role in your career? I would say yes. Um, I think if you were to ask other people, they might say no. <laughs> um, I think that for me, again, I kind of always knew my path starting like my junior, senior year of high school. But so someone had directed me to get my athletic training degree, CSCS, and my physical therapy degrees. Um, some people have been really fortunate. And again, like everyone's path is different. And I think that's great. Um, where they are working solely as a physical therapist or an athletic trainer in a professional or college role. And I think that there are definitely more opportunities for specifically physical therapists to work in those roles. Um, and, you know, just like a growing field, obviously, when you get become a sports physical therapist as well. Um, but I think that... Um, yeah, I think it just depends on what organization you want to work with and what sport and things like that. It's, but it is, I believe, easier if you have more of these certifications um, because a lot of teams or organizations I have found like want them. So. And then other question was going to be, uh, how was working for you know the Boston Celtics and the main Celtics as a as a Laker fan? So I don't know if you can say too much on that, but how was working, you know, preseason for the uh, for the team, um, you know, meeting players and stuff like that, getting them ready and everything. Uh, how was that experience for you? Honestly, it was amazing. Um, I have nothing but respect and pride as a former Boston Celtics, uh, main Celtics employee. Mm -hmm. They are very welcoming, kind, and as a, you know, I hate to say it, but I might be a Celtics fan now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, so, I, I might have to cut this in short now because <laughs> I'm a Laker fan. I can't, I can't, I can't talk too much about the Celtics. <laughs> uh, that's totally fair. But yeah, they were, the players were fantastic. The, the staff all the way up, you know, everyone, I have uh they're nothing but welcoming, kind, gracious. So nothing but good things to say. So that's good. That's good. And then uh, my last question would be, how does uh, if you have any advice for anybody that's trying to get like into your field or, you know, just trying to get the career started? Um, do you have like any advice for, you know, uh, students like myself or anybody who's listening? Um, what's like some good advice that you can give them in order to, you know, take that next leap, take that next step to where they want to be at? Hmm. I would say look at other people in your field, in the field that you would want to go to and be like, okay, what are they doing? How can I implement? What do I need to get there? And, and talk to them. Um, and then, you know, talk to other people, your professors, um, you know, your friends, colleagues, um, and realistically, like, never stop learning. So. Yeah, that's what my mom always say. You, you learn something new every day. So, um, but yeah, there's some great advice, you know, um, obviously doing this podcast. I learned a lot already just talking to you and stuff like that. Um, and hopefully, you know, later in my career, you know, I can ask you a couple questions and stuff like that. You can help me out. Um, but other than that, that's basically it. I mean, um, you know, like two minutes left, but 
uh, I want to thank you again, Dr. Israel, for being on here with me. Uh, you know, I got kind of happy when you responded back to me on LinkedIn. Um, so it's always a pleasure, you know, having people like you on this show and um, talking about your knowledge and just, you know, spewing information to just people, whoever is listening and stuff like that. So um, I thank you for taking your time out, responding to me and getting on this podcast with me. So I really do appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. And honestly, reach out anytime. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'll be keeping in touch with you because I want to see if I can get um, some more people on this show also. So like you said, networking is, you know, a really big thing. So, you know, I'll be hitting you up to see if I can get some networking opportunities and everything. So <laughs> that sounds good. No problem. Mm -hmm. Well, um, oh, go ahead. Thank you. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, of course. Loved having you on. It was a pleasure, obviously, um, doing this, having you on, talking about, you know, the body, physical therapy, athletic training. I wish I had more time on here. Obviously, I can keep going on and on about so many different <laughs> things. Um, but with the time that we had, I think it was more than enough. So thank you again for everything. No problem. Have a good one. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you. You too. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye.